0: The readings this morning are a series of readings uh, about Jesus' healing, and they're all taken from the English Standard Version. Matthew 8:16. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the world and healed all who were sick. Matthew 14, 14. When he went ashore he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick Matthew 19:2 And large crowds followed him and he healed them there Matthew 21:14 And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them Matthew 12:15 And many followed him and he healed them all Mark 6:56 And wherever he came in villages cities or countryside they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment and as many as touched it were made well Luke 4:40 When the sun was setting all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Luke 6:19. And all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, hello, everyone. Um, It's great to be with you. Uh, I know you're very used to this, but I have to say it's quite strange for me uh, being in here and uh, speaking to a camera. So I assume some of you are out there watching this at some point. Um, I'm excited about this series, this series on healing. Um, And the reason for that is it seemed to be important to Jesus. He seemed to like doing it. And... uh, Essentially, whenever Jesus healed someone, people, the people that saw it and were engaged um, just gave praise to God for what they'd seen. And so um, I'm just excited for us to discover more about this subject of healing and how to heal. One of the other reasons I get excited about this is you can't make it up. And there are aspects of the Christian life that um, you don't actually need to be a Christian to do and be engaged with. For instance, um, looking after the poor. There are some amazing charities that do that um, and the people aren't Christians. Or just being nice to your neighbour. We know lots of people who don't believe in Jesus but are really, really lovely people. But if somebody's broken spinal cord is instantly restored... People sit up you can 't do that humanly humanly, it requires something more. it requires God in and through us working so that's why there 's some of the reasons why i 'm excited about this. Um, you will have received, as James said, some information uh, in the K- kFCs some videos. Uh, and some written stuff and I sent out just a few questions just to whet your appetite and I'll just run through them quickly. Um, I can't guarantee that we will get to them all today but we will do throughout August. So I'm going to be looking at the nature of God and so I I sort of threw these questions out there. Um, So the first is why look at uh, God's nature in order to understand healing? Why is that important? And what does Genesis 1 and 2, the creation story, what does that tell us about the nature of God with regards to healing? And what do God's names, as revealed in the Old Testament, tell us about um, his nature with regards healing? And, of course, Jesus. What does Jesus show us about the nature of God? Is God really in control? Great question. Does God withhold healing? A lot of people think that. A lot of people think it's about timing sometimes. It's a good thing to think about. What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? What what was that? Did Jesus ever pray for a sick person? Good question. Did he ever pray for a sick person? And how many healing prayer meetings did he hold? And is healing in the atonement? So um, I'm hoping that you will have had a chance to look at at least some of those um, during the course of July and, and maybe going on uh, into this month of August. When we're we talking about healing, um, right from the outset, I want you to understand that we're talking about wholeness. We're talking about body, mind, and spirit. It's not just physical healing. It's the, it's the whole shebang, if you like. So it is wholeness, Um, us being completely made whole completely healed and I just want to sort of throw out a slight warning here that some of the things we're going to talk about and look at during August um, might require us to unlearn some things the reason I say that is because I've had to unlearn an awful lot um, over the years and uh, one, of the, one of the things that I sort of started with, it was probably seven or eight years ago, I sensed God say to me, I want you to look at identity. And I thought he meant my identity, which I did need to look at. But actually what I realised was I needed to go further back because I didn't fully understand his identity I was confused as to what he was really like, particularly in this whole area of healing. Ephesians 6, Paul talks, and what he does, he he describes the armour of God. And I, I found this fascinating, that at the top of the list is the belt of truth. Why would that be at the top of the list? In my mind, it should have been something much more exciting, like the sword of the spirit. But then it occurred to me that a belt goes around your midriff. It goes around the core of your being and it holds your trousers up or your skirt. And if you haven't got the belt on, everything falls down. And it's literally that way. If we don't have the belt of truth wrapped around us, if we don't understand what the truth is, then there's nothing for everything else to attach to. And so I suddenly realized this actually is really important. I need to know the truth of God's nature in order to understand healing. Uh, Romans 12, 2 is a very familiar um, verse for us. It's where Paul talks about being transformed by the renewal of our mind, our dianoia, which is intellect, it is understanding, but it is also imagination. And right at the start of this series, I just really encourage you to be open to maybe rethinking things and seeing things afresh, seeing things are new. Uh, and it's often in our imagination that those things get fired up. So I want to start by looking, and this was instrumental for me, looking at the story of creation. And um, slightly strangely, it was during my reader training that this came alive for me. We were doing an exegesis on uh, the creation story, Genesis 1 and 2. And I have to say I didn't enjoy it very much. It felt like it was just pulling scripture apart. It could have been it could have been Shakespeare, it could have been anything. Um, but in that process, I suddenly saw the value for me of the creation story because what it showed me, was the plan A of God. And quite often when I'm sort of questioning something today, I will often go back and say, does it feature in the original plan? Does it feature in his plan A as the picture is drawn in creation uh, in Genesis 1 and 2? And um, what we see there is, is just the wonderful imagery of um, the father in relationship with his children and vice versa, how uh, they engage with each other, how they enjoy being in each other's company, and how they communicate freely. There's no restriction. And the other extraordinary thing is um, there's no separation. There's no death. There's no sickness. None of these things uh, appear in the plan A of God and uh, one of the trees that's named in the garden is the tree of life actually it it bookends the bible you see it in Genesis 1 you see it in Revelation the end of Revelation and it's the it's the tree of life just bookending the entire book of scripture and I love the thought that um, in the garden is all these trees such abundance there's a there's an overflow, but there's also the fruit from the tree of life, which the first human beings, Adam and Eve, would have eaten from. So the, the understanding is, the expectation is, they just had life abundant in them. They had eternal life. They would like God, and they were made in his image, the very image of God as we are. And in uh, 1 John 4, John, John describes what that looks like, because he says that God is love. And he actually talks about us being the completion of that, which is extraordinary. And we are made in that image. We are made as love. And so it's important to understand the nature of God as love, particularly when we're looking at this topic of healing. So that is um, the creation story, the plan A, does reveal something that's really helpful when we're talking about the miraculous or talking about healing the next thing i want to look at is uh, the names of god Uh, it's fascinating throughout the old testament um god reveals different names that show us something about who he is and uh, it's, it's just really helpful to um, understand something of that. So for instance, Jehovah Jireh, that literally means the self-existent one who provides for us. Jehovah Shalom, the self-existent one who is our peace. And it's a it's a supernatural peace. It's a peace that rests when there's chaos around us. Or it's a natural completeness and a wholeness and a well-being. That's what Shalom means. But that is des- it's showing us, it's describing. That name is describing something of the nature of God that doesn't change. That is who he is. And then for, for, for the purposes of this morning, Jehovah Rapha in Exodus um, 15 the self-existent one who heals us. Not heals us sometimes or maybe heals us, but his nature is healer. It's in his DNA. And what we find is that the, the, uh, the meanings behind God's names show us something about his personality, about who he is, um, the very core of his being. So it's a huge value when we're looking at this. Psalm 103, a wonderful psalm, it says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems our life from destruction, who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, and who satisfies us with good, so that our youth is renewed like the eagle's. Those few verses are describing something about the nature of God, a saviour, as love, that he's good, that he heals us. And how many of us would like our youth renewed like the eagles? I'm just a slight diversion here. But at the end of um, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, thir- Deuteronomy 34, it describes the death of Moses. It's extraordinary. He was 120. He's just climbed a mountain, and it describes him as dying bright of eye, perfect, perfect eyesight, no glasses, perfect eyesight, and in full vitality. He was as fit as a butcher's dog. So what we're seeing there is a slightly different aspect Of what we might experience today. Our expectation is that one day, if we're lucky enough to get old, we will eventually get some nasty disease and die of it. But that's not what happened to Moses. And I don't believe that's in the heart of God because his name is Healer. So it's just interesting. Maybe we need to change our expectation of what our life on earth should look like because there is precedent. So how about we die healthy in old age? Does that sound good? Here's another one, Psalm 105. This is amazing. So this is literally a a few verses that, that talks about the whole people of Israel, leaving captivity. They're coming out of Egypt. And it says that the Egyptians gave them silver and gold. They, they handed over silver and gold to them as they left. Doesn't that sound like Jehovah Jireh, the self-existent one who provides for us? And then it says this. It says there were none feeble amongst them. They're a generation. They are a, a nation that has been uh, in slavery for 400 years. You imagine the physical condition they would have been in. And yet it says there was none feeble among them. In other words, the entire nation as they left was healed. Jehovah Rapha, the self-existent one who heals. He's true to his nature. He's true to his name. Lamentations 3.33 says... For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. So some people do think that God allows or even inflicts sickness on people in order to teach them something, in order to grow some maturity and some depth in faith in them. But scripture says he doesn't do that. His name says he doesn't do that. His nature would imply something different. And then, um, I'm just going to move this. Hang on a sec. Um, We come to Jesus. So we've looked at uh, God's nature as revealed in creation. His nature as revealed in his names. But ultimately, when we look at the life of Jesus, we get um, just an extraordinary picture of the nature of God. Um, Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the exact imprint of the Father. He's the exact representation of God. And Colossians 1.15 says he's a mirror image of the invisible God. He, he, that's what God looks like. And Jesus himself in John 14 verse 9 says to Philip, he says, If you've seen me... You've seen the Father. And I don't know about you, but for for a long time, I kind of understood where the Holy Spirit sat. I understood what Jesus was like because I read the Gospels. I wasn't quite sure where God the Father sat. I didn't quite know who he was or what he looked like until I discovered this. He looks like Jesus. Jesus looks like him. And it's suddenly, wow, okay, okay. I begin to understand something of your nature now. I know what you're like. I know how much you love me and that you want me well. You want us whole. So just Jesus revealing um, what God is like is just so, so important. Jesus came, it says in in, uh, 1 John 3, to destroy the works of the devil. And what are the works of the devil? Well, um, it's interesting, uh, Jesus says in John ten ten, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. Thief being the devil. So anything that we can associate with that, doesn't matter what it is, whether it's um, a loss of income, loss of job, whether it's... Uh, a loss of a loved one, whether it's illness. It doesn't matter. Anything that you can associate with kill, steal, destroy comes from the devil ultimately. Jesus in the same sentence says, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And he is reflecting the nature of his father there. It's abundant life. And everyone that came to Jesus was healed. Every single one, Philly read out a few um, verses there and and it was just interesting whether it was an individual or multitude, you you literally had whole communities bringing all their sick to Jesus and he healed them. The only time I can think that uh, we don't hear of everyone being healed is when he was in Nazareth. It does talk of him healing a few there. But that was essentially because um, people have a choice as to whether to come to him for healing and receive it or not. And they chose not to in his hometown. Jesus essentially broke natural law. He, He was releasing heaven's reality into the earthly realm. And uh, 1 Peter 2.24, this this is um, a foundational verse, really. And one of the questions that I raised was, is healing in the atonement? Well, this verse, 1 Peter 2.24, and in Isaiah 53, are key verses for answering this question. So in Isaiah, it says that by his wounds you are healed. You are healed by those lashes, the brutality of that whipping he took. Isaiah is seeing into the future and declaring, you are healed in that moment. But Peter is actually looking back to that time when Jesus was being lashed, then hung on the cross, and then remembering his resurrection which was witnessed by over 500 people, and then his ascension to be at the right hand of the Father. But he's looking back and he says, by his wounds, by the wounds on Jesus' body, you were healed. He very deliberately puts it in past tense because he understands the finished work. Of the cross. And it's interesting that those wounds on Jesus' body occurred before he was crucified. So, in other words, we were healed before we were saved. Does that make sense? It surprised me when I saw that, but um, there we go. So I hope that that sort of paints paints a bit of a picture and is helpful in terms of understanding the nature of God with regards to healing. We can see it, that plan A of God in creation, so clearly. And it's just really helpful to go back to. We see His nature revealed in in the names that God gave Himself, and ultimately the the most vibrant picture of, um, healing, being in the heart of God, part of his DNA, part of his nature is because that's exactly what Jesus mirrors. It's amazing. Um, I just want to look at a few things now that, that certainly for me over the years have been a stumbling block and, and these may, might be helpful. And they're, they're areas that, again, um, for some of you, I'd encourage you to, uh, please don't take offence, don't be cross with me, but go go to the scriptures, look at what it says, because I, I was fascinated and astounded and realised, actually, I've got to change my mind on these things. Um, so the first one is the whole question of control. Is God in control? There's no doubt and there's no question, he is sovereign. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's written the beginning. He knows the end. And through Jesus, he has worked out the completion. The kingdom is here now. So there's no question over his sovereignty, but is he in control? And how often do we say God's in control? I mean, I used to say it, particularly when I didn't have an answer for something. You know, I'd prayed for somebody, they died, my response was, God's in control. But the problem with that is that then says something about the nature of God, which is not true to what we've just discovered about his nature as healer. Let's go back to the Genesis story. What happens there? So, So God has placed Adam and Eve in the garden. And one of the lovely pictures of the relationship between God and Adam is that having created all the animals, he invites Adam, his son, to come and name them. Because he wants that relationship. He wants that partnership. He wants Adam to be a part of this journey and wants to be in relationship with him. And he's excited. He wants to know what Adam's going to name the animals And it's interesting, isn't it? There are two named trees in the garden. We've mentioned one, the the tree of life. Wonderful. But there's also the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil. Excuse me. Now, why was that tree there? Why did God put that tree in the garden? There are thousands of trees, bountiful fruit and provision. But I think the reason it's there is out of God's love, he wanted human beings to have free will, to have choice. And without that tree being there, they wouldn't have choice. He wanted them to be able to choose to love each other, to love him, to be loved by him. But if that tree wasn't there, if they didn't have a choice to be obedient to what he'd said, even though there's an abundance out there, if they didn't have that choice, then love would be meaningless. We would literally be robots. I hope that makes sense. I don't know if you ever watched the film um, Bruce Allmicey with Jim Carrey. It's a great film if you haven't watched it. But basically what happens is God gives Bruce his powers Um, and he can do with them what he what he wants essentially so Bruce has a lot of fun but one of the rules is you can't mess with free will and through the story what we discover is Bruce is really in love with this girl but he cannot make her he cannot compel her even with all God's power he cannot compel her to love him she has to choose to love him And that's why um, this whole area of control I think we've got confused over because God actually shared that with us by giving us free will. So um, in 2 Peter 3, it talks about um, God's wishing that none would perish. That's his heart, that's his desire. He doesn't want to see anyone... Uh, die without knowing Jesus. He desires that none will perish and yet we know people are dying every day without knowing Jesus because God's not in control. He shared it with us and he actually gave us the remit of tell the whole world the good news of Jesus and salvation and what I've made available. And not only that, I want you to demonstrate that by healing the sick. I mean, think with me for a, for a moment. I mean, I've I mean just think about the challenges in, in this world. You know, whether it's um, ISIS in Syria, I know it's slightly older news at the moment, but those sorts of things. If God is in control, that means he's ordained these things. I, I remember um, meeting someone who lost their parent when they were a child. And a well-meaning Christian said to them, God's in control. He must have wanted your dad more. And that child in that moment decided that if God is in control, that he has taken my dad and therefore I don't want anything to do with him. He's, he's nasty, he's vindictive, and he's taken my dad who I need and I love simply because somebody said God's in control. It's, it's literally laying at God's feet that thing which should actually lie at the feet of the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, not the one who brings life and brings it more abundantly. So some of you might be now getting a bit nervous the fact that God's not in control. But let's look again at Jesus because he he just beautifully models what's possible. We've got to remember that Jesus is a human being like you and I. No different. No different. Um, Philippians 2 tells us that he he laid aside, he stepped out of his deity, if you like, and became fully human. And Jesus himself in um, uh, John 5, 19 says, I can do nothing and the reason he says that is because he's just wanting us to know he's like you and I and what he's trying to show us is what is possible for a human being who's living in the reality of uh, their true identity and living in that relationship with the father that they were always always designed to uh, be in he's showing us what's possible in that place he says i can do nothing of my own accord but only what i see the father do what the father does the son does likewise and this this is huge this this sort of unlocks uh, the miraculous and healing and this actually w- what jesus is modeling here is he's basically saying father that free will that you gave me and and all humanity that gift that you gave that you knew was going to cost you dearly, I choose to do your will. I choose to listen to your voice, hear what you're saying, see what you're doing, and do that. And it's in that place that we suddenly see his will done on the earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And, and that's the key. It's born out of relationships. So we needn't get fearful that God's not in control. The fact that he's chosen to participate and share it with us because Jesus has shown us what it looks like to actually use that free will, that that choice, and say, Father, I'm going to do your will. And then we see his will done on the earth. It's good news. The other thing, number two, is... Uh, which can be a stumbling block, which some of you may know about, some of you may not, is the now and the not yet. So what that means is the kingdom is here now, but it's not yet complete. Uh, And there was a chap called George Eldon Ladd who was trying to explain this sort of in-between time when um, Jesus came and ascended and when he returns and all things will be complete. And it's, it's a truism, it's not in scripture, that phrase isn't in scripture, but it is true and it is helpful to a degree. But my own experience, I grew up sort of understanding this and being taught this, this concept of the now and the not yet. And it, it was used to kind of explain why healing didn't happen sometimes. And I got so confused about this because when somebody was standing in front of me and needed a miracle, I didn't know if it was a now moment. Does God want this person well now or is it a not yet moment? And, and so I was already on the back foot. I didn't know whether I was coming or going. And um, when I look at the life of Jesus, particularly with regards to healings and miracles, it always seemed to be a now. There didn't seem to be a time when it was a a not yet. Somebody would come to him, Lord, I can't see, please restore my eyesight. It was restored. It always seems to be now. And I sort of began to wonder whether this this in-between time of the kingdom actually even applies to healing, simply because Jesus seemed to be so clear. He was heal the sick, raise the dead, set people free. That was the, that's the remit on us all. Every Christian should be doing those things. That's what he said. And I don't know if you remember the story of the Mount Transfiguration it's, um, recounted in Mark 9 and Luke 9 and Matthew 17. It's a great story. So Jesus is on the mountain with his mates <clears throat> and he's transfigured. He's literally, they see him in his glory He's shining. And he's with uh, Elijah and Moses. Meanwhile, down the mountain, his disciples who've just come off a really successful mission trip, seeing all sorts of people healed, this man has come and said, can you heal my epileptic son to uh, his disciples? So Jesus comes down off the mountain and the father comes to um, Jesus and says, I've brought my son to your disciples for, for them to heal him. And they couldn't do it. Now, this was the moment When Jesus could say, "Ah, this is about the now and the not yet. The kingdom is here now, but it's not yet complete. So I'm I'm afraid it's not going to happen this time. Or in this instance, it's not God's timing. Or he's actually going to get healed when he dies. I've heard that a lot. He's actually going to get healed when he dies. We all get new bodies when we die. Healing only has value here. It was the perfect opportunity for Jesus to use some of the excuses that we all make. But he doesn't. He instantly heals the boy. Once again, demonstrating the heart and the nature of his father. And it's interesting, he never prays for anyone. He never prays for anyone to be healed. And I think the reason for that is that um, he knows the nature of God as Jehovah Rapha. He knows in his core of his being, it's Father's will to heal. The only question he's asking of the Father is how do you want to do it, if, if at all? So I hope, I hope that's helpful in terms of the now and the not yet. My conclusion is it doesn't apply to healing. I think Jesus is very, very clear when it comes to healing that we are to heal the sick the next one is Paul's thorn in the flesh. This is uh, a well-known hot potato. And uh, has the, the thorn in the flesh has often been attributed to a physical condition. In fact, I, I remember, a few years ago now, but I remember saying to someone uh, myself that it was a physical thing. Again, trying to explain why healing doesn't happen sometimes. But is that true? you know what we're discovering about the nature of god is it true that paul's thorn in the flesh was a physical ailment well if you if you read the context so if you read 2 corinthians uh, 11 leading into 2 corinthians 12 what you realize is paul is talking about the tough time he's had he's talking about the persecution that he's endured And so when you look at it in context, it it stands to reason that maybe this thorn, which god he's asked God to remove and God hasn't because it's keeping him humble, is actually persecution, it's people. And and there's something, there are three verses that I want to cite that that I feel really back this up and are definitive. And the... The, the listeners to Paul, the, pe- the, the people that would have been reading Paul's letter, would have understand understood these phrases. So, um, here are the references: Numbers thirty three fifty five, and it says, "But if you drive, if but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then those of them whom you let remain shall be as barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides." Thorns in your sides. And it refers to inhabitants. That's Numbers 33, 55. Joshua 23, 13. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your side and thorns in your eyes. Nations. Thorns in your eyes, Joshua 23, 13, Judges 2, verse 3. So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides. I will not drive them out from before you. They will become thorns in your sides. So it becomes really clear to me that the thorn in Paul's side was people. It was either an individual or a group of people that were persecuting him. It wasn't a physical ailment. Who's heard the expression, God moves in mysterious ways? I've used that, actually, again, to to try and explain why something doesn't. Oh, God moves in. It's a little bit like God's in control. God moves in mysterious ways. Well, do you know that's not in the Bible? That phrase is not a verse in the Bible. It comes from a 19th century hymn that was written by a chap called William Cooper. So let's not bother using that. And finally, um, we don't understand it all. You know, sometimes we do use that that phrase, we don't understand everything. And it is true, but Deuteronomy 29.29 says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. There is so much that is revealed, particularly... Um, in the life and the, the words and the actions of Jesus himself. So much revealed about God's nature through the creation story, through his names, through the journey through the Old Testament. We know so much. We know enough to heal the sick, raise the dead, get people set free, get them whole, and be that way ourselves. So coming back to this thing of truth, hopefully w- what I'm sort of unveiling here is, are some truths and hopefully it's making sense. And, and again, it's, it's Romans 12 too, it's being transformed by the way we think, by the renewal of our minds. And as that begins to happen, literally, as our imaginations change, uh, the transformed imagination becomes the seedbed for heaven on earth. Literally, As we begin to think from heaven to earth, as we hear what the Father's saying, see what he's doing, and do that, heaven is released on earth. So I'm just going to come into land now. The nature of God is Jehovah Rapha. It is the self-existent one who heals us what we have to guard against is allowing our negative experience to shape our belief. We have to lay hold of the truth as revealed in scripture that we see in the creation story, we see in his names, we see ultimately in the life of Jesus the truth that he is healer and he's chosen to bring and release healing in and through us. 2033 talks about a healing home being on every corner, every street, every village, every town. How's that going to happen? It's when you and I wake up, if you like, to the reality of who lives in us, of what we carry. Not not an understanding thing. It's gone deep into our being that we are carrying the healer within us so that our neighbours begin to realise that, actually, if I want to be well, I need to go and see that person at the end of the street because I know that they, they have the answer to every question. So our negative experience must never shape belief. And we need to hold on to the truth and allow our experience to shift, our experience to change. And that is what's happening amongst us that we're beginning to see more and more of the miraculous. But I think the key is we have to understand God's nature is always to heal, 100%. Everyone, not partial healings even. I know we celebrate them, but his heart is for people to be whole, body, mind, and spirit. And he's chosen us as the vehicles, his children to work through in the same way that he did through Jesus. So let me just uh, finish with a prayer. Actually, if any of you have an ailment, doesn't matter what it is, whether you're, you're struggling with mental health issues or you've got a physical ailment, just take a moment to think about the nature of God as healer. Think about Jesus. Think about him standing right in front of you and you saying, Jesus, I would, I would like to receive what you paid for. I want to receive it now. I know it's a finished work that you've made all provision for me to be healed today. I want to receive it now. And then just in your, close your eyes and in your mind's so eye, just reach out and take that healing. So I speak to your minds, to your bodies, to your heart. Come in line with the true nature and reality of God and all that Jesus paid for. Be healed, be whole, be well today in Jesus' mighty name. And let us know what
0: happened. Amen. God bless. Lots of love.